Hello, it's 10 o'clock on Saturday the 6th of June. I'm on the 9.30 train to Finsbury Park as I'm on the way to the second Crouch End Cartoon Arts Festival being held at the Earl Haig Hall. The Crouch End Cartoon Arts Festival is hosting the best and brightest cartoonists and independent publishers currently active in the UK, including Mark Needham, Paul Rainey, Sally Ann Hickman, Tiny Pencil, Space Baby 13, and Breakdown Press. So I'm going to see what's at the event, talk to people there, and try not to go broke from buying all the things. If you want to know more about the event whilst listening to this podcast, please go to their wonderful website at cecaf.uk. So, travelling with me on this one, we have Laura Watt Davis, also known as Pink Apple Jam. So, what are you expecting from this event? Hello, I am expecting a wonderful plethora of comics. I think I will have seen some of the publishers sell their wares at MCM Comic Con in London late last month. So, hopefully, I get to pick up the ones that I missed out on because the Comic Village at MCM is so huge, it's mm. actually quite difficult to get around. Um, so, to go to a scale like a, a, a CAF, a comic arts festival, I think is going to be a completely different environment but equally as enjoyable. They're pitching as a cartoon arts festival. Oh, are they? Not a comic arts yes. festival? My misunderstanding. Oh, okay. Oh. Interesting. I, I wonder whether it's just uh, it's a name used for cartooning in general or comics cartoons how they cross over will there be animations who knows who knows i am excited because i don't know what to expect but i'm looking forward to it regardless i think i recognized about none of the names on the list (laughs) i recognize some um so again i'm looking forward to seeing the faces that i know of forward to hopefully uh, meeting new comic creators and picking up some new things as well as seeing it's definitely the newness of it and the Mm. fact that it's for me it's the fact that it's cartoon art rather than comic art so it's like i want to see it's going to be a different scene it's going to be different people yeah we'll we'll see i like the fact that there are these little uh cafs like uh obviously based on toronto comic arts festival or cartoon arts festival Mm. Uh, TCAF and uh, and we have uh, LCAF and CA and Crouch what, End, like the Comic Arts Festival. Right. The fact that small festivals are popping up uh, utilizing the CAF Comic or Cartoon Arts Festival mm. suffix um, and creating using this this name that's often used for other events, but new ones are popping up. So based on a that. bit outside of the of the convention scene, but still part of the same continuum. Correct. Yes. So yeah. I'm very excited to support and visit. Uh, it's nice to be a punter and not always mm. be a dealer. Um, I like to see it from both points of view. How broke are you expecting to go from this one? I'm already broke from MCM, to be honest. So <laughs> let's just start as you mean to go on, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Soup for the next month. <laughs> So, we're now at the event and I am talking to... Sally Ann Hickman. And what does Sally do? I do diary comics. Um, what is a diary comic? A diary comic is, instead of writing a diary, I draw the pictures of what happens every day. Okay. So a visual comic form of Facebook, as it were. Yeah, indeed. I've been doing it since about 2001. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a big collection of about three years worth of diary comics. So the Sally Ann Hickman Diary Comics Collection Volume 1. Definitely Volume 1, yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to do that? It was in my last year of university. I wanted to sort of 
just remember all the things that happened, all the crazy things you get up to, and then I just carried on doing it because I love doing it. It's a bit like mm. art therapy, mm-hmm. writing about what happens in your day. And I think if something horrible happens, if you write it down and draw it into a comic, you can look back and sort of laugh at it and think, oh, it's not that bad. Splendid. And so you decided to then put them into a co- into a collection and to come along to events like this. Yeah, indeed. Um, I didn't think I was going to publish them at first. I just kept them for myself. And then when the tutors saw them, they said, "Oh, you should make comics, put them together, sell them." So I just went for it, and I've been doing it ever since. You also have one other comic on your store that is quite special. How, how would you describe that? Uh, the one that I bought earlier. Oh, the edible comic. Yes. Yeah, it's um, an edible comic made out of rice paper. It's edible ink, edible glitter and it's hand sewn with dental floss so you can clean your teeth after you've eaten it. <laughs> I think it's a world's first. Was this specifically aimed at the stoner market or is that just a happy accident? It's just a happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> so where would someone be able to find these things? Um, I've got an online shop on my website. It's www.sallyshinystars.com so How many of these events do you do? As often as I can really. I like these small events. It's more intimate and you get to meet people rather than MCM which can be a bit hectic. How important would you say these style of events are for you getting your brand out there, for getting your sales out there? Do you sell a lot of these events or is it just getting FaceTime with people um, and getting the word I, out there? We did this event in November and um, I sold a lot then so I just think it's good to experience different kinds of events and these are lovely, These the smaller events. So this is the second Crouch End, is, is there anything special about this event or is it just it's one on the circuit and you come along to it? Well, it's Sean as a party's sort of creation, yeah. and we've just jumped on the bandwagon. Really, he's the one who's organised it, put it all together. You say it has much of a buzz to it. Definitely, because now it's part of the Crouch End Arts Festival as well. Before it was just on its own, like a little event, mm. which was good. But now it's part of this bigger thing. Hopefully, we we'll get more of a crowd in. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Okay, so now I am talking to Craig Conlon. I run a website called Craig's Comic Land, which produces comic strips on a slightly irregular basis, and I sell print versions of those at comic shows. Including the delightful Hello Ghost Cat, which just looks cute and delightful. Indeed. Well, Ghost Cat is a ghost and he is a cat. Probably my best selling comic because. I don't have to explain the concept to anyone. It's pretty, pretty straight out of the box. It is, it is. Does it have any deep metaphorical underpinnings or is it just about a ghost cat? No, 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 it's really, really shallow and that's why it works. But cute <laughs> and involves cats, so that's going to sell to the internet. It is cute, place. but, you know, in the same way that Casper was a dead little boy, ghost cat is a dead cat. <laughs> kind of glossed that one over in all the well, series. Kind of, kind do, do of. Do we ever find out how he died or...? I'm not to realise that. I think they did explain it in the movie, but right. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> so how long have you been into the self-publishing? I've been self... Actually, only really self-publishing for about four or five years. Uh, only four or five years yeah, of yeah, yeah. That's quite a lot of self-publishing. Well, it, it feels like longer, obviously. <laughs> how are you getting your stuff out before then? Uh, well, before, uh, initially, and we're talking about the 90s, I was published by a small fish publisher called Slab of Concrete, who are no more. But they were a great publisher, started off many people who are quite well known now. And then really I gave up comics for a good 10, 15 years. Just, I was just doing illustration for magazines and that kind of thing. And eventually I got fed up drawing what other people asked me to do. So I decided to go back to comics because then it was a better form of self-expression for me. 
And uh, so, yeah, I've been doing that since about 2012, I think. So how do you think things are doing in the self-publishing scene at the moment? I think it's going well. I think the tr probably the trouble is there are so many festivals and shows now for comics. I'm not sure how it can sustain itself unless we get more punters through the door who aren't also self-publishers or creators. Yeah, yeah. So with all these events going on, what was it that made you pick this particular one to come to? Well, I must confess, I live really close by. <laughs> <laughs> so not so much it's, local scene, more just you can you can walk along with your hangover. It's, it's very cost-effective for me to do this show right. because I'm not having to pay train fares, that sort right. of thing. But having said that, it's a really nice, quirky venue. It's a really nice, relaxed atmosphere. You can bring your dog, you can have a drink, there's a pub next door, oh, and it's a lovely area. So, so if you, even if you're a bit further away, you'd still be looking at coming Oh to no, this it's still good, it's a great show. It's a great show. It's a, it's a nice antidote to perhaps something like MCM, which is a huge, huge mega show, more like, like an equivalent of San Diego in this country, really. Yeah. But, it's both um, in the same town, so it is competing yeah. again. Well, that's London for you. Yeah, you know. You said that this one, you mostly got creators coming through the door. Mm. What sort of ratio of reader to maker would you say you get at this, or at least? Uh, I'm not so sure. I, th I think actually today I've noticed quite a lot of families coming in because this is part of a wider arts festival in the area. Yeah. So I have seen families come in, obviously parents with little kids, and um, that's always good for me because my work is very child-friendly, all ages, whatever you want to call yeah. it. I mean, there are some quite adult, at least, well, not adult as in boobs out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some horror comics here. We've got some more of the surrealists, some more of the old, old school deadline-esque, uh, yeah. cast an iron style stuff. <laughs> and you've got your stall, which is, it's got a cute cat on it. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very all age. I mean, obviously different shows have different flavours. Uh, shows like El Calf are very curated. Something like um, Safari is again more kind of art comics, and um, this is more eclectic. Okay. I've never done one of these myself. That's cool. I've never done one of these. No, I've done several before. And you have made a comic called Jar Jar Dice. Yes. Is instantly awesome. So anyway, and now I am talking to uh, Sajan Rai. Yeah. Uh, I, I create comics, I title them all Childish Butt Vomit because that kind of sums up my sense of humour. Um, it sort of attracts the right kind of people. And you made one called Fuck You Kitty Jenkins. Yeah, I actually. Which I bought on title alone. <laughs> uh, I actually made that one with uh, my colleagues. Um, I work with a group called Backwards Bird. Uh, so it's me, Daniel DeSouza, Shane, Melissa, and Siobhan. God, I've known her for like years, I don't know how to pronounce the second name. Um, uh, yeah, so it's four of us telling stories about this cosmic cat that takes people on spirit quests they don't want to go on. Actually, I bought some a couple of years ago as a Christmas present. Bring a particular background the story. Me and Dan, uh, this is a couple of years ago now, uh, we gave each other like some thumbnails. We said, oh, we should draw each other's comics. Um, I gave him one called Tramp Fight, and he gave me one called Kitty Jenkins. And I liked his idea, but I said, oh, can I just change a few bits, like, just to make it more stupid? And then we just kept trying to outdo each other to make this character more and more stupid, to generate it into toilet humor and... So it's an absolute autistic race to the bottom, to be as yeah. as you could. I mean, actually, it's really nice uh, working with um, Shibby and Shane on this as well, because Shibby has this really cute... Um, anime style uh, but her stories are kind of like you know quite dickish like, like I once and Shane's um, he's got a very dark style 
but his stories are probably the most, um, they, they kind of have these moral twists to them, so they're probably the nicest in there, in a weird way. <laughs> and I think they actually uh, keep the book together, because otherwise it's just madness. Do, do any of your books have redeeming features, or is it just pure old? Um, no, I mean, like, Brocco and Friends, which has been, like, really popular. It's about, like, these high school kids doing these awful pranks, like putting crap in a soap dispenser, stuff like that. But I actually, I actually really like writing for them, because I, I think they're good characters. They've obviously got problems in the head. <laughs> it's kind of like, they're based on those kids at school who aren't, like, they've got the bad kids, but then you've got the, you've got the really bad kids. Like, no one talks to them. Like, they, they just go around setting fire to stuff, and it's like, oh my god, why are you doing this? And I was found at school, they were actually, when, once you talk to them, they're, like, really nice, like, friendly, and, like, awesome. But they were just, they just do all this bad stuff, and you're like, what's, what's wrong with you? There's, like, an Asperger's baby seal in there. <laughs> very popular character. It's alright. Uh, I guess Googling my name is a good way. Uh, my website's really bad. Uh, I guess childishbuttvomit.com is, is a domain. There's, there's not much on there, but... If you Google Childish Butt Vomit or Google Sergeant Rye, right. uh, <laughs> I've got a Tumblr. I'm using my Tumblr more now, which is sergeantrye.tumblr. Um, so is there any reason you're using the Tumblr? Tumblr well, I'll send you the website. I just hate the internet. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't use it. <laughs> no, I can't use it. Um, I don't like... I just like drawing stuff. That's my problem. I just like drawing stuff. And, uh, so Tumblr is just quicker. Draw it, bang, go. Yeah, I just put it, put it up there. Do you come along to this event? Any particular reason you chose this event? I heard good things about it in November or October, whenever it's from. Yeah, Kareem kindly that said he, I could share his table because we're actually working on a project together. Uh, it's called Conhop. So we're launching the Kickstarter for that on Monday. Ooh, uh, URL that we can plug mercilessly. Oh my god. Uh, we don't have a Kickstarter URL. Yes. Uh, There's at least five people I know that mandatorily have to listen to this. I, I, <laughs> you know, the relations, they have to listen to it. Uh, there's a Twitter that says, Are you Conhop? <laughs> there's, there's a Facebook, it says facebook.com slash conhot. Right. <laughs> it's terrible at plugging, yeah. You've yeah, I don't know. You've self promotional nonsense, have you? No, I, not, not on a podcast. Um, much of a theme to the people editing. coming in? Has it been the normal conversation? It's a certain crowd. Uh, it's quite a nice crowd. There's a comic here, Petty Beach. Um, this one, like, I spent loads of time on, but I actually have quite a hard time pushing it because I don't know how to describe it to people. But it always does really well at these smaller events. Like um, the MCM London, which is mostly teenagers and stuff. Obviously, Brocco and Friends, Kitty Jenkins, Jaja Die. That, like, goes down like a bomb there because it's just really immature humor. Whereas Petty Beach seems to be doing yeah, like, um, attracts the more arty crowd, I think. Uh, a lot, lot of people are interested in the risograph aspect of it, which is the... It's a, it's a printing process where each color is printed separately. So I have one of these printers in my house, and, um, yeah, it's a pain in the ass to print, but it has this nice kind of offset look, which, um... it's something that you don't normally get to see. Yeah, and it's nice when people recognize that, and, uh, also a bit abnormal to, like, do a comic like that. Sash, did we knock that... Yes, you... over? Sorry, Shane, I'll pull you another. <laughs> so, be a criminal. Also known as Kareem. Kareem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. How are things going for the event for you? It's great. This is my second CCAF. I came here last year. Mm -hmm. And i got to be honest, I did a couple of things last year, but this was one of my favourite. Splendid. Sean's done a really great job. You know, it's a small event, but it's a really great crowd, you know? Um, unlike like when you go to an MCM, 
which Ev is everyone which is, is mentioning MCM. Well, I just did MCM. Yeah. There's 120,000 people. Yeah. There. I was actually covering. I wasn't exhibiting there. I was covering it as a, for the Metro. Right. And it's hugely. It's like everything. You know, mm. if you want to buy a Zelda sword or a, a prosthetic animal tail mm. or a comic book, there's so much. Whereas this is very purely comics. Mm. And the people who come here tend to be people who want to buy comics, which is great, you know? It's lovely to be able to talk it, about someone who's a fan. Yeah, there's all sorts of MCM from the times I've been there. It seems to be more focused on like the pop culture and the IP yeah. rather than here, which is more of a celebration of the medium and people can present what they're doing in the different forms. Yeah, definitely. Is what I've seen. Like you said, just a, it's a big, it's, well, it's a huge event, and as, as such, they have to do the big movies and video games and yeah. stuff like that. It's nice that we have that, but it's amazing that we also have something like this. A bit of diversity. Yeah, exactly. Do you do any other events up and down the country? Or, uh, or I did. Even just around we did. London? We went up to Fort Bubble last year, which is fun and everything. But gonna, always, I'm going to be there for that one. Yeah. I'll probably bump into you there for the bar. I'm not going to be at Fort Bubble this year, but like uh, I know what well, we're doing LFCC. But that's the thing, LFCC is, is £220 for a table, you know? So that's a big investment if you're doing a small press book. Can a small press make that back or would you look at it We're more We're going to try. Our would next you look at it more as a publicity thing? Well, yeah, it's definitely a publicity thing. Uh, but we're going to try our new book coming out in July. It's called Con Hot. And yep. It's all about love and life and the weird and wonderful people who go to Comic-Cons. So we're deliberately trying, very consciously trying to tap in to that audience. I don't think anyone's deliberately like yeah. doing a comic book thing for cons. Are you going to have a dashing podcaster character who asks insightful, intelligent questions and looks he could definitely awesome appear. in an amazing cowboy hat? Or are you going to have some nerd with a, with a mic pissing well, people Well, listen, Shane, Shane right now is doing the poster. or well, a post, one of the posters we're doing. The right. thing, it's cool. people queuing for it. If you want to get yourself drawn in, that's the podcast <laughs> asking people questions in the audience. Like, go and talk to them now. I think we might have to do that. <laughs> so you got that, you got that going on. So do you, do you think things are looking good for this kind of scene, this kind of event? Or If people like Sean are around to like yeah. push it and to organise it, because, you know, I've done event stuff before, mm. and it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy. Do you, think, um, do you think there's still space for this size of event? I know that the calendar for the big events like mm. the LFCCs and, and that, that that's pretty packed. Mm. But do you reckon this this kind of event, do you reckon there's still space Definitely. in the calendar? Definitely. I mean, Sean's, uh, I know there's an arts festival happening now mm. in Crouch End at the moment. So he's very cannily tied in this event to that, which I think is a very smart thing to do because there's a lot of people wandering mm. around. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, like, like I... You always got to be careful that you're not going up against um, a bigger event mm. that's going to draw a lot of people away. But like you said, it's a different type of crowd quite often, you know? People so, who come here are buying a comic books fans, whereas maybe only 20% of the people who go to MCM are specifically there because mm. they're really into comic books. Others are cosplayers or gamers or film yeah. fans, whatever. So, and now I'm talking to... My name is Roger Langridge. Um, I uh, have a website at uh, hotelfred.com where um, I put sketches and whatnot. Um, and I've also got a strip running on zcomx. It's zco.mx um, uh, with uh, my character Fred the Clown. Fred the Clown. Uh, apparently, tales of excitement, existentialism, and ennui. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's. it's it, Fred the Clown is basically a, a cipher, a catch-all for anything I feel like doing, pretty much. So the current story is kind of a, a tribute to Buster Keaton movies. But in the past, I've done 
various other things. Um, he's, yeah, so he sort Buster of slots Keaton, into anything. Buster Keaton meets John Paul Sartre. <laughs> Less of the Sartre, really. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty silly. Well, Sartre had his moments. <laughs> there were definitely a couple of shitty so, and what brings you to this wonderful event? Um, well, I used to be local. About 15 years ago, I lived in the area. Um, I knew that there was an event on... Uh, I actually came last year for the first time when they did the first one. Right. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it, and they asked me back, and so I came back. Splendid. Yeah. Do you do well at these events, or is it more just uh, it's, hanging out with the wonderful people? Well, I, I, last year, the big... Uh, the big draw for me was uh, to take my son, who at the time was eight years old, who'd never been to a comic convention, and who uh, does his own comics and really, really wanted to go to a comic convention. So I, I thought I'd take him to a one-day event and see, you know, see how 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 he dealt with it. Um, and it was good, you know, he had a great time. So he makes his own comics. Yeah, he does. Did yeah. he sell any of the, on the day? Yeah, he did. Did we... he outsell you? That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm no. pleased to say he didn't. Fantastic. No, we, we actually did a comic together. Um, well, uh, he, he did one side and I did the other, and it was like a flip book. But we both did the same character. Ooh. And it was Pinkbeard the Pirate, who's a little girl with a huge pink beard. Um, and uh, that's his, his own Is character. Is that still available? Uh, I haven't got it with me. Damn. I haven't got it today. <laughs> that but sounds delightful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. He's, he's a clever little man. So what do you... What do you feel about this kind of event? This is this is very much a comics-focused event. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very big draw for me. Mm. Um, I've, I've you know done everything from things this size or even smaller to San Diego Comic Convention, mm. and uh, you know anything that's actually focused on the comics uh, is is far more appealing. Do you reckon it gets in uh, more of an of an exclusive crowd, like the real comic geek, or does it get in more of a a general audience from the public or, or um, I, I think I've had a bit of both today I've had mm. some people who are really into particular mm. characters or genres or whatever and uh, there's been people who, who have absolutely no idea what I do who probably never even read a comic but because they're local they just sort of it's a nice day they want to go out and do something and it's in the area so they so come it's, along it's, it's described as the cartoon arts rather than comic arts festival do you reckon that has anything to do with getting the more general crowd in by not using the word comics uh, or is it just not something you noticed until you mentioned I hadn't thought about it <laughs> Only but um, <laughs> you may have a point actually yes um, I know that things like the cartoon museum like to have the word cartoon in there because it's uh, got more of a I suppose more cachet you know it's got more history and um, it's broader. You can you can include editorial cartoons and animated cartoons and all that mm. stuff. So, uh, would you describe yourself as a comic or a cartoon artist? I, I call myself a cartoonist because uh, I think that's um, the way I use it. It describes somebody who writes and draws their own comics. Mm. Um, I don't think everybody means that when they say cartoonist, but that's that's what a lot of people mean, and that's what I mean in particular. So, yeah. so I'm now talking to Paul B. Rainey. And what are you all doing at this fine event? Uh, I'm selling copies of my graphic novel, There's No Time Like the Present. Ooh, tell us about There's No Time Like the Present. Um, it's a story about, uh, it's about a 320-page graphic novel that took me seven to eight years to complete. That's a pretty beefy effort. Every time someone asks me, it gets a bit longer. So by the end of the day, it might be 10 to 12 years. But at the moment, it's seven to eight years. And it's about a group of friends who are a bit nerdy, a bit geeky. Mm -hmm. and it's about their friendships and their relationships but they can download movies and TV shows from the future. So they have access to the Ultranet, it's called. The Ultranet? Yeah. 
That sounds intriguing. Yeah. Was that an attempt to talk about time travel and, and that, or was it more of a comment on the actual internet at the moment, or was it just a nifty idea for wacky adventures? Well, I used to. Uh, I always thought it was interesting because I remember a time before the internet. I don't know if you do, but I, I remember. Do. And now we have the internet, and I imagine there are people now approaching adulthood or in adulthood who don't remember a time before the internet. Mm. And I thought my characters in it remember a time before the discovery of time travel, and now we live in a world where time travel is commonplace. So, is it pro or anti-time travel? If you read the story, yeah. the world decides at one point to extricate itself from this time travel. So the world goes offline? Yes. The character, the, the, so the approach I have to it is that that's an absurd thing to do because it's proven that however many years later the world rejoins this. So they're all... Yeah, I, 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 it's, there's lots of like little analogies to all sorts of things in there. It's quite a, it's a long enough story for me to it's a go off. Like a, be, a beefy thing. It's nice to see an allegory going in. So, yeah. was it originally the intention to do huge allegories, or just I have this idea? Let's see where it rolls. Science fiction conceits I find allow you opportunities mm. to talk about things in the real world that perhaps if I talked about directly, people wouldn't be mm. quite so interested in or I would fall down at the first challenge. If I create my own rules for that discussion, then I'm more able to... So the Ray Bradbury approach to let's just have a discussion Perhaps. by throwing in something silly. Yes. Cool. Yeah. It's properly bound, it's wonderfully bound. It yeah, it's published by Escape Books, who um, in the 80s published yeah. Neil Gaiman's first stuff and Dave McKean and Eddie Campbell's first oh. stuff, and then they've got back into print publishing again recently. And they've recently published um, The Great Unwashed, which is a collection of the Police Brothers stuff. Mm. And then they've re more recently published a collection of my book, my comic. Did it originally come out as a combined issue? Or as no, combined, I serialised it, it about over 13 self-published mm. comics. And then someone went, hey... Yeah, they said, oh, we'd like to publish this collection. So for the collection, I toned it. It was originally straight black and white artwork. Right. For the collection, it's all grey tones and... The artwork's bigger, and I've tidied it up and corrected errors. And so, so this is the definitive edition. So, having a publisher is actually still useful then. I beyond think so. the getting I don't know. Made. I'm still learning. You're still, still learning. learning. <laughs> it's a heck of a way to learn yeah. with a book like that. Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah, awesome. I, yeah, I mean, it's great that someone is really invested and has enough faith in you to. But it does seem to be. It. it seems to be uh, a lot of it's the small with the small press stuff is you publish it yourself because the idea of someone else coming along going, "Ooh, we'll do that," is a bit out there. So it's lovely to see someone getting picked up. And, Especially to see an old. I think um, there are lots of small presses, but I don't think, and who make really great comics. I don't think there are many that do something of as long as I've done it and, and finish it, if that makes sense. Mm. So I think that um, works in my favour in regards to getting a publisher to publish it. You have a completed story that exactly. is big and chunky. I didn't go to them 15 pages into it and say, will you publish it? I had it all finished before I even thought about approaching it. It's not necessarily the way to do it. But it's a way but, that you yeah, did it. It works. It Great. seemed to work for me, honest. And so we're now talking to Broken Frontier? We're yep. talking to... Uh, Andy Oliver, the editor-in-chief of Broken Frontier. Editor-in-chief, that is quite an important title. <laughs> Only confirmed this week, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a... It's a promotion this week. So what does an editor-in-chief do? <laughs> uh, I look after the site, I look after the staff and I look after the content as well so 
Um, that's a little bit of writing of my own. Oh, what are you writing? <laughs> I write about small press comics, so that's what we're doing here today, which is um, I'm championing six creators this year on the site who I think are particularly worthy of people taking notice of. Uh, Rosie Hathaway, Emma Raby, um, Danny Noble, uh, Adam Vian, Jess Milton and Alice Urbino. If you go into Broken Frontier, you'll find, you'll find links to them there. Brokenfrontier.com. I've reviewed each and every one of them, so if you search for them there, you'll find them. <laughs> Excellent. Is there any particular theme through any of them, or is it just that they're all good? It's just that they're all talents that I thought were particularly worth um, looking out for, because they, they've all got particular creative voices. The work's actually quite disparate. It's very, very different. Um, so there wasn't a thematic link to choosing them. It's just the quality of the work. So you brought all this stuff down here along with several of the creators, which is wonderful. Um, how many of these events do you do a year? This is actually the first time we've ever done something like this because um, this year we decided on the site that we'd make a real big thing about actually championing people, actually bringing people's work to a greater audience. Um, so this is the first time we've actually done this. So, um, so yeah, watch this space and see if we do more. <laughs> How long has the site been going? Broken Frontier has been around since 2002. Um, it's 13 years now. Um, it was founded by uh, Frederick Haltain, who is in Belgium, who was the original editor-in-chief, who just stepped down from that role this week, and I took over. Um, but we're a site that looks more at uh, sort of indie, small press, or comics, that side of, of the industry. So. What was it that stopped? Uh, why, was, why did it take so long to make decisions to start coming to these uh, We kind of relaunched the site about two years ago. So we are actually a, a news and review and interview site. Um, so I guess, in a way, actually promoting people has been a, a new step for us. Okay. Um, um, but it is, again, it's people that we've reviewed that we think are particularly deserving of a greater audience. And of course we've got an online audience, but it's nice to actually get out there and, and take the work to other people as well. Great stuff. How are you, how are you enjoying the event so far? It's, yeah, it's, it's a very nice, relaxed kind of venue. Um, I, I enjoyed the one here last November as well. Um, uh, and again, the work here is all very, very diverse. Um, nice mix of indie stuff and a nice mix of friendly people. Okay, so now I'm talking to uh, Rosie Hathaway and uh, Emma Raby. And you are the people behind some of these comics, correct? Yes, we are indeed. Which ones did you make? Uh, so mine is The Red Rose, which is a 28-page story based on a Native American poem, mm -hmm. um, which I kind of took into my own little story. I'm also selling that alongside some other prints and postcards. Uh, mine are The Dead Moon and the Sea Serpent, and they're sort of black-and-white silent comics about folk tales. Okay, so pretty, pretty different themes, but some connections there. Uh, is this the first time you come to one of these conventions or is it something you've done before? I, I don't know your history as, as artists so... Um, this is the second one I've done. I did Alternative Press Takeover uh, last month but apart from that this is my first time at CCAF as well so... I've done a few before but I've never done this one. I was at Alternative Press last month as well. So you're, you're both pretty new to the scene though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what made you decide to take the lunch and actually go and make it? Uh, why not? <laughs> People seem to have some vague faith in me, so I thought I might as well give it a go, and it turned out okay so far, so I'll just carry on, hopefully making people happy, sad, and whatever they read in my work. Uh, I've got quite a few friends that are already sort of involved in comics, and they've been trying to encourage me to join in for quite a while, so... 
can't think Time of any reasons, really. <laughs> Why not? Let's give it a go. Exactly. <laughs> Will there be any more stuff coming out from yourselves? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. We get a preview of what people are working on. Top secret, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Will it be good? Of course. Splendid. <laughs> That's all we need to know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Now we're talking to um, Amber Sue. And what has Amber Sue done? Um, I have brought a bevy of illustrated works and books and also Tiny Pencil, which is an anthology art scene that I publish and edit. It is all pencil. So it's um, <laughs> it's the title. It's the it's the title and not well. It's a little bit of a misleading title, right? They're not always tiny. Some you know many different size pencils, but yeah, it's all pencil artwork by lots of different amazing artists, and each issue is themed, and the artists respond to a theme, and they submit either art illustration comics um, in whatever form, as long as it's in pencil. So is it? narrative or is some of it just pictures or it's both. both it's both it's definitely a mix and and I definitely try and in ordered in a way so that the whole entire thing feels narrative mm. that makes sense you know it like has a certain yeah. flow to it so I always feel like each issue has kind of its own story in a sense so the, even if it's not a story going through it's still a journey that you you're going on with yeah things I do I feel really it's a, a journey and I think um, all of the artists you know, even if they're not doing like sequential like narrative works per se, like all of their works I think always feel like they're going on a journey. Like they're it's a lot of world creating that goes into like even just the singular images. So everything in it like always does feel like it's leading to somewhere else. So it has a very strong narrative feel to it, which is why, you know, I think the artists are so, so amazing. This specific event is more of a um, comics bash and you come along with some phenomenal prints. How is that compared to to like like a comics, like in a book format. Yeah. Actually, it, it t generally tends to go pretty well. Mm. So. so even with this crowd where, where everyone else is doing comics, you're doing the art stuff and it, you're still getting people looking, you're still getting people yes. taking interest. Splendid. Yeah, definitely. Because some of them are, are sort of like little book forms mm. as well. So it's, it's a mix. So if people, wanted, if people wanted to check out this stuff, what, what would be the best place for them to go? We're online. So we're at www.tinypencil.com. Okay. So that's one place. Otherwise, we're also in um, various shops. So in London, we're at Foils, Gosh, Orbital, mm. lots of different. Places. Will you be doing any more events during the year, or? Yes, we'll be at LCAP as well. In LCAP. A of weeks. Yeah, East London Comics Arts Fest. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll be there for two days. Hopefully, make that one. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Cheers. Okay, so right. now I am talking to the most civilized person at this event because they've actually given me a seat for this interview, which means I love them deeply. Hello, I am uh, Martin Eden. I do the spandex and the omen. Ooh, what is spandex? Spandex is a, a comic about a group of gay superheroes. Mm -hmm. uh, they're based in Brighton, they fight giant lesbians, they fight pink ninjas. Um, As you do. Yes, indeed. It's a true story. No. Uh, <laughs> it's eight issues long. Uh, it's, all, it's all finished now, actually. Um, so, yes, and I'm doing more Omen now. What are the Omen? Omen is the first comic I did. I started it about 18 years ago mm -hmm. um, and did about 35 issues, took a break to do spandex. Now I, I'm back finishing off the Omen. What's the Omen about? And the Omen is 
it's a superhero soap opera. It's epic. It's got tons of things going on, tons of um, secrets, mysteries, shocks, twists and turns. You do like your superheroes, don't you? I do. I, I started when... I mean, I was a massive superhero fan when mm. I was growing up. And, uh, and I think also when I started doing self-publishing, and there were a lot more superhero comics. And now mm. I'm in the minority in a way. <laughs> It's not the done thing for the indies to do. Exactly. I do. Yeah, you do feel sometimes I'm not, um, you know, good enough to be at a show. <laughs> so, to, to ask ask the intellectual questions, are you sticking with superheroes and, and, and putting in the topics you have because you wish to subvert or just because you wish to expand and see what can be done with the form beyond the it's, traditional cliches? It's definitely... Um, I wouldn't... Even though my comics look like superhero comics, I wouldn't mm. call them that because I think it's never about the fighting or the, or, or the yeah, yeah, it's never about the powers. It's more about the personalities. I just find them more fun to draw mm. and more interesting. And and I, I love having an issue where there's no powers involved, but mm. there's like funny people to look at. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll always do superhero comics, and I do yeah, I do feel. That I am definitely in a minority with them, but um, I mean, my next project will be superheroes as well. But again, it will be so three for three. Yeah, <laughs> again, it will be like more about the characters than anything else. Events like this, you you are the the the, the token superhero person. I guess so. Yes, <laughs> I think there's a maybe everyone's like, got to have one. It might be one or more, but I don't know. Right. <laughs> I can't hate superhero comics. I've got a friend who makes them. <laughs> Great stuff. How do they go down at events like this? Because do people have... This is a very... You know, people are into comics. You are the only stall doing anything in slightly superhero-y. Do people come at them with a lot of expectations on what's going to be in the content? Or do they look at them like just be like, oh, it's a superhero comic? Or I think people... Who, I mean, the, the, the last one you mentioned, or oh, oh, superhero, mm. I think people are quite surprised by what you know, mm. my comics and uh, they will have a look at it um, and I think you know, they, they have a lot of fun with it because it is quite a fun comic mm. spandex yeah I think there's some, well, I think the good thing about this show is that there's something for everyone mm. it's really diverse and there's only how many tables are there here there's only like 20 or so 20 yeah but everyone's different everyone's absolutely different um, and I think like for me like I, I've been doing shows for 15 years mm. so I think People tend to like, so, you know, I get some people that come and, you know, they, they buy, if I've got something new, they'll buy it. So, you know, you've got your little, little built-in audience in a way. And, and trends come, trends go. Yeah, one well, moment is cool, one moment is knocked. Well, hopefully superheroes won't come back too much because I don't want too much competition. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, cause I was thinking more like in the 90s you had a lot of uh, superhero parody comics. Mm. I just wanted if people were coming at it assuming, oh, it's a parody rather than what your stuff seems to be, which is more of a riff on and, and something just playing with. Yeah, maybe. I think um, it's weird with Spandex because it had a bit of um, press attention when it first mm. started, and I think people have got that knowledge about it, well, some people have anyway. So I think they, they've come, they'll come to the table. I think I've got that advantage where they kind of have heard of it, but now they want to see it. And I think I, I'm interested in their reaction in a way. I... I I, I think um, some people could be offended by it. Some people could be 
intrigued by it or learn something new by it. People can get very defensive just of the genre of superheroes and like, no, it must be done seriously, it must be done this way. No, no, can't do anything strange with it. Even though the, the genre has done lots of strange things with itself. Oh, I, I mean, I think I've got my own little kind of niche in a way, like where I, yeah. I don't want to do anything like by the mill. I just want to do something. Yeah. There's no point in doing it if it's not. So different. you're not planning a universe reboot every three years, then? I've done that already. You've already done it. <laughs> sell out. You absolute sell out. Sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. I have got one crossover issue <laughs> of um, Spandex. Where it's it's like a multi-part thing, right? How, and how many how many variant covers have you done for that one? For that one, there was only one, but I have done variant God, covers God before. Almighty. I have. Look, it you are a terrible, terrible yeah. person. <laughs> so there's nothing you won't do for your mighty oh, dog. Oh no, definitely not. No. <laughs> so you've been, as you said you've been doing this 15 years. Mm. Um, are you seeing many big changes in events like this or more oh, events of gosh. this size or how, it's, how are you feeling it's interesting them? because um, this is a very old school this is a very old school convention this is very back to basics this but it's is, very new as well yes although Sean, Sean the organiser isn't so <laughs> I am yet to mug him oh He's I'm a, looking forward to talking with him I, I mean I've known Sean for years but he I think he started at the same time as me really doing these conventions and I know I think we've both been for the same sort of things mm. where you know the biggest one that at that time was the Bristol convention um, mm. every year in in the May um, and and I was happy to go to there and then suddenly these new ones started like MCM Expo and and and, and LFCC and and for me I've kind of kind of gone full circle yeah and I'm now very very happy to do just one or two shows a year maybe because I'm older now <laughs> they can be quite exhausting yeah definitely do you do any just as a punter rather than as a trader I tend not to because um, I'm too tight <laughs> Yeah, I distinct. I, I know what you mean. I mean, I distinctly remember turning up here with a lot of money, and then, you know, mm. it's all gone. But I have got amazing dead tree with lots of images on it, so I'm quite <laughs> happy on that. I think. But, I think part of the reason is I've gone quite digital mm. in my reading, so I feel really, really guilty if I go to a show and I don't buy anything. Mm. And I think also it's like a busman's holiday in a way, like because once you've been behind the curtain, yeah. And yeah. Also like, I mean. I'm happy to go to one, but I think um, you've kind of seen a lot of what people are doing mm. and you can just grab stuff off people when you're at a show anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your Thank time. Thank you very much. Cheers. So, I'm now talking with Sean, and Sean is responsible for all this wonderfulness today. That's right, yeah. Well, I don't like saying I'm responsible for it because there's, a, there's an enormous amount of people that are here that are involved with it as well one of them's walking past uh, my flatmate who's the man with the sign um, so the idea is that it's like okay you facilitate something but it's a collective of people really everybody's Absolutely. everybody's involved but you were the person who got it going you were the person who was the front for it who who kept on posting up on facebook so you know it's a bit the glory yeah I'd, i'm not much of a glory seeker not be, not because i'm no, because I'm like shy about these things. I just think that having like some like central egocentric individual, it's not really do. It's not really what doing something like this event's about. Uh, it, it's more about trying to 
give the local community an experience of what this wonderful world of comic making is all about and also giving the comic makers that we've got here a different audience from the same faces that troll around every convention that we yeah. have. As you know, there's more and more events every year and it just becomes the safe five pound note mm. going between everybody. So yeah, this was just to try and break that a little bit. So I have one question. Um, you pitched it as the Crouchown cartoon arts. Mm. Why was that? Well, uh, because when I called it when we uh, put the first one on in November, it was Crouching Comic Art Festival, where everyone expected stand-up. So right. <laughs> it's just, in people's minds, it's to break that connection that it's not a load of comics, it's actually a load of cartoonists. And, well, I'm pretty, I guess, old school in my terminology about it now, because everybody pretty much is versed in the language that is graphic novels mm. and take uh, their lead from that and I've always maintained that the type of stuff that I do is I'm a cartoonist and I make comics, I don't make graphic novels and um, I thought the criteria was graphic novel was collected edition and The Guardian said something nice about it ten years after it was released. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that still a fair... Well no, uh, no I think uh, if you want to use the term graphic novels, and people do, because um, it, it fixes in minds people what they're, they're buying. And the, the idea of uh, graphic novel is advanced quite a lot. Mm. Um, so it's me being a bit disingenuous. It was I think it was a useful term back in the 80s and 90s when it was presenting. It can be more than one-off constant serials. It can be something more than just a flash in the pan, kids. Yeah, but course. now it's just a bit... Oi! Quiet. Grown-up stuff going on here. Really? What? Yeah. <laughs> kids are... Kids are no, that's Goddamn really. children having fun. I know. How dare they? I'll shut that piano lid on his fingers. He won't be playing then. He <laughs> uh, won't be able to make comics. No, well, that might be a good thing. Less <laughs> competition for you. Well, just, yeah. Uh, well, there's plenty of room for competition. If, if you, you only have to kind of, like, pretty much... Even if you go, go to physical events or you have a look online, there is so many people now that want to make cartoons, want to make mm. comics, uh, want to make stuff online, make books, whatever. And it's a good thing, I suppose, in many ways. Not always. <laughs> Why not always? Because <laughs> there's a load of crap. In the sense that it's a load of crap, in the, as in access to making stuff doesn't mean that you should. Mm. Um, or maybe you should. I could be seen as perhaps having a wrong-headed view of it, but I think when there seems to be such a squashed space now for actual physical representation, either in on the shelves, in in the standard areas for selling stuff, say like shops, as in comic shops, or even doing comic events, I think there becomes a point where. Yeah, there has to be a curatorship. I don't mean for everybody that makes stuff, like mm. as in, oh, you can't make that. Mm. But I think if you come to the point of sale, there can be too much of it for both exhibitors and for people coming to buy stuff. I mean, you only have to go along to a lot of large events. Say, okay, Thought Bubble, there we go. I mean, Thought Bubble is considered, say, take MCM out. Like, in this country, 
is considered the largest event, I would imagine. Mm. I suppose LCAF would start arguing differently, but we're not going to get into that. Fight. But we won't get into of the bigger events. Yeah. but you go along and it's exhausting. Yeah. It, it is it, visually, mentally exhausting after a while. You just think, oh, I can't be bothered with this. And that's not the fault of either the people Choi hosting choice it. Choice exhaustion, I think. Yeah, is one of the terms. exactly. Um, so, bringing a very long-winded uh, rant back to the point, that's why doing something like this, because of the physical nature of the space, you can only, ha only have a reduced amount, which is, I think, 16 tables with more people squeezed behind it. It's kind of... Um, a bit of a desire to bring it back to that kind of... So it gives you a chance to go, here is what I think is good. Well, no, I think, I don't think whether it's good or bad. No. <laughs> I told you you shouldn't do this. I, I, I have to curate it, so I think that the people that I've asked, mm. uh, to me, are very interesting. Mm. Um, and also they're a bunch of friends, but it's very interesting. But, and I wanted to give like I say, the area of N8, the chance to see these interesting people, I think, produce very interesting work. Was there going to be a third one? I doubt it. You doubt it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn, on the plus side, i got to see it. Yay! Yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh, we're very fortunate. Um, the Earl Hague has uh, been very receptive to mm. the idea, um, but none of us are, ed are ever going to be sure of whether this is, would be an ongoing thing with the, either the premises or... Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, At the very least, you've had a wonderful day. A lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people coming in that, if I saw them in the street, I wouldn't have assumed they were going to come into a comic No, exactly. Well, that's important. Yeah. I mean, I mean... Very diverse crowd. Slightly going back to what I was uh, going on about, about curatorship, um, is, is that... Is that you have to find new venues and comic conventions and stuff are all very well and good but you have to find new outlets for what people are making because you can uh, that's the only way you can grow an audience I mean you can't sell a hundred things to the same 12 people no and there seems to be it does feel like that after you any I'll call them seasons any season of doing conventioning mm. uh, by the end of it you're just thinking yes you've seen all my stuff you can't mm. possibly want to buy this again and that's why you end up with a situation where there's tumbleweeds blowing through a convention place it's not because people don't like what's there it's just they've got it or they've seen you and yeah you have you need you need variety yeah well i'd just like to say thank you very much for a wonderful <laughs> event i've utterly enjoyed it it was worth me coming away from cambridge from well so. I ca well all i can say is i'm amazed that you traveled that far yeah i wouldn't travel that far to see me <laughs> Well, back from the event and jolly good time we had and the stash that myself and Laura picked up included Hello Ghost Cat by Craig Conlon, which was a simple but fun read. We've got the graphic novel uh, anthology Two Arms by Limehouse Comics. Which was pretty damn good. Uh, the Omen by Martin Eden, Fred the Clown and the Fez from Roger Language, which I really enjoyed. We have Fuck You Kitty Jenkins. <laughs> Legendary from Bird, which um, is basically wrong. If you got a <laughs> chance, pick it up. We've got the Edible Comic, uh, which I haven't got around to either eating or reading yet, because I imagine it'll happen in the same time. I've got Sally Ann Hickman's Diary Comic. 
2013, lovely read. We've got Pink Specs and Teen Zine, I Killed the Teen Dream, which are very small for us, very uh, Plisco kind of arty stuff. Yeah, Julia Shield, did you say? Very exciting stuff. Nice to see a bit of the fanzine getting in. We also got Pretty Beach, which just looks awesome. That one's by Sandra and Childish Butt Vomit, which is great. And lastly, we've got the interesting anthology called Don't Be Fooled by the Rock, which include illustrations and the names of random rocks. <laughs> Uh, by www.strip-4-me.com Which is pretty high art, I think. <laughs> it makes no good, sense. Good to see it. We spent money on it. So, what did you think of the event as a whole? I really enjoyed it. I wanted to pick up everybody's. As you can see, we picked up quite a lot, but we couldn't pick up everybody's apologies. Can't buy all the things. However, what we saw, even if we couldn't buy everything, it was so nice to go to an event where people drew works of art and discussed art and comics and zines and music and rocks and cartoons and everything you name it so it's just so nice to go to such a small yet powerful event i thought it was so you thought it was more than just the trading side of it I, I did i thought it was a vibe i thought it was a place where as a creator myself uh, i felt very inspired I had a couple of rounds. I went in and had a, a pint and then went around again. Not literally spun around and fell on the floor, but I no. went around. It was just nice to take a break and think about things. It was nice to flick through what I bought in the pub and be inspired myself. I actually had loads of ideas stuff to do now it's finding the time to do them all so thank you for the inspiration everybody it was so lovely to see so you're approaching it as a as a creator yeah i was getting a definite um different vibe to the other events i mean the one mm. thing i did notice the one thing that avid listeners would notice i didn't get any interviews with any of the people that just went there mm. because uh, it's not that i didn't ask ask them i did i asked a number of people but very strangely they all said no Oh, which isn't actually that strange. So you went to you went to interview them for the, I went to, for the I, podcast. Yeah, uh, I went to interview. Pardon me. I went to interview uh, just regular people that had come normal routine. Go and interview a regular person that's just taking part in the event, and they all just went no. The thing was, they it wasn't no. This is an invasion of my space, or no, I don't want to be on the radio. It was more they didn't understand what they were to do with it sort of thing. They wanted to absorb and yeah. take part in the experience as opposed to be a focus. To be yeah, they didn't there were no cos there were no cosplayers. Um of the the people I asked, pretty about a quarter to half of them just basically pointed at the pun at the the, the creators and were like, no Go talk to them. I see. <laughs> which was um, from the other events which we've been to, which are a lot more interactive, uh, a lot more convention-y. It was just peculiar to see people just going along just to attend rather than to be a active participant. Mm, there was definitely there was a, a community vibe, but also you could, you could do... The it was more than going into your Forbidden Planet on a Saturday. It wasn't much, it was creativity, yeah, you know? but it was less than a convention in the mm. interactions. That no one knew, you know, not many people really knew each other, so I wouldn't say there was a huge amount of community, but there was definitely a, oh, it's nice I'm amongst people that really like comics mm. thing going on. So 
it, it was a str- it was for me it was a strange it was a peculiar difference to the other kind of stuff we've done so far peculiar as in curious curiosity because um, you've been to events that concentrated on more merch or more than i've been to events where it was a lot more everyone involved everyone participating everyone being an active element of it it's a different type of participation though it was a very different it was it was participation through raw consumption as opposed to even at something like the mcm that's a very active consumption. You've got people turning up to the costumes, you've got people turning up to interact, to, to have drawn out conversation. I'm not saying it was better, and I'm not saying it was, it was just, it was, different. it was different. And I think that was the thing that I really liked about it. I mean, yeah. obviously you couldn't do something like this for a couple of days, because it's just a training hall. But no, I, I think that would, that would dretch out. So it was nice, it was intimate, it was creative, it was positive. I think there was a lot of elements of shyness, but everybody yeah. was very polite. Two hour tops, little blast into the yeah, into so. a snapshot of what was there. I guess so. I mean, we we spent some time because we knew a number of artists there yeah. or knew of them through their artwork. So mm. it was nice to speak to people face to face. Actually, yeah. Um, a couple of uh, vendors I had personally seen at Thought Bubble, and then I got all fangirl shy. I was like, "Yeah, mm. I can't talk." Whereas at this event I could, and it was really nice. And then oh. I had to sit down because I was all fangirling. That, that's <laughs> it. I mean, I would say for I, I think it's definitely part of the geek scene. But this type of event. This type of, of event, I think, is this. This I would say this type of event is definitely a part of the geek scene. Because apart from anything else, you get the you get the ability to rock in and just talk to Ro- Roger Langridge. Which doesn't really happen. Absolutely. Um, the um, trading stalls, you know, it's, it's the market space of things like the MCM or your or normal convention without the rest of it, almost without the rest of it getting in the way. You can just go in and you can just, if you as a punter wanted to talk, go in and just talk to the creator, you'd be able to talk to the creator directly, mm. which you don't really get at the other events. No. Because he, normally, and this is the thing, normally because you have something else to do. You haven't got anything else to do here other than go and enjoy the content. Which I wasn't, I haven't seen at many of the other events. It well, did allow you to focus on yeah. the content, didn't it? It's such a simple thing. Mm. One of the big reasons I say it, I think, is part of the, the, the continuum is you just need a room and whoever in the local area or out of the local area makes stuff. You don't need any speakers, you don't need any itinerary, you don't need any battle plan, you just need a, a marketing idea of literally go and put the posters up. Mm. You rent the place out, you have minimal overheads, and you can just get people together. You can don't need to do anything special. And from that, something awesome could grow. So, wrapping things up, that was on the way to the Crouch End Cartoon Art Festival. For news on the next event, fingers crossed, go to ccaf.co.uk and mail Sean about it till he gives in and does another one. Thanks to everyone who took part in the podcast. Check the podcast info for more details on their sites and various projects they're involved in. If you have been encouraged by any of the events described in this podcast to put on your own show, then please let me know about it at raggedyman at gmail.com or on Twitter at raggedyman. Please also send any questions you may have, any themes you want to hear me waxing lyrically about, any feedback you may have for the show, any suggestions for events for me to go to, and basically anything else you feel like sending. 
follow the podcast, please go to bit.ly slash convention podcast. And if you like what you hear, then please tell your friends about it. Shares are really, really appreciated. The next event I will be at is the third annual Comic Art Evening and Sketch Fest at Niche Comics in Huntingdon on the 4th of July. If you have a chance, then please come along as Adam and Guy not only run fantastic events, but also have a kick-ass comic shop. More details for that via the nichecomics.co.uk website. This has been Andrew Raggedy Man Wattam Davis, and I'll see you next time. I'm on the way to something exciting.